minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're one week away from meaningful college football action. I know there's college football action this weekend. I said meaningful, though. That's upcoming. And two weeks from the time of this recording, NFL football will be kicking off. Let's say hello to a guy who I know is at least as excited about it as I am since both our baseball teams are eliminated. I saw my team's elimination coming uh, probably like three years or so ago. But this is a little more surprising, his Red Sox flailing as they are. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, my God. I'm uh, very excited about football season, of course, partly because it can rinse out the taste of this horrendous baseball season. Um I just heard a breakdown of every decision the Red Sox front office has. I mean, it just like it feels like the, you know, major league. Oh, you're trying. You've been sent to high and bloom has been sent to destroy this organization for a generation mission accomplished. Like when he was walking out the door in Tampa, he turned over his shoulder and was like, I got this. I got this. We all hate these big mar- big market motherfuckers. I'll destroy them. Every single big and small move I make will be wrong. Watch this. So, you know, it's just, it, it, it's terrible. And it's not going to get better for a long, long time. Except so let's not talk about it then. We have football to talk about. I do. Speaking of which, specific to one football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, muzzle tub on a great decision to hire our guy, Ike Taylor, as its newest scout. He really is one of the great personnel evaluators that I've talked to in the last decade, decade and a half. This is something he's long wanted to do. Papa Rooney, his favorite son, Ike Taylor, now a part of the Steelers organization formally going forward. I'm over the moon for him on that one. As far as family goes. I hope he doesn't get blamed for what's about to happen in the next three seasons. Oh, stop it. Because they might see the coincidence of like, I don't know, we were making the playoffs before Ike showed up. I've got it all figured out that where the Steelers quarterback decision is I'll let you know about that. But and we have much to talk about the injury to Tyron Smith, what that means for the NFC East. We also want to talk NFC South, Tom Brady, the Saints, Bake, the rest of it. Maybe we'll get into some AFC South as well. Matty Ice, all the rest of that. But Uncle Mike in Pittsburgh. One of the great influences on my life, along with my old man and why I'm so dyed in the wool, black and gold faithful, posed an interesting question a couple of nights ago on text, and now I pass it on to you. Would I rather get a Steelers Super Bowl title or a Penguin Stanley Cup in the next year or two or see the Pirates ownership be forced to sell off. I wonder if that applies to a Red Sox fan. You're t- you and Simmons and Red Sox diehards are really sickened by this ownership group. How how say you to that same question? Um I would love I guess my order would be Bruins win the cup. Hmm. Also not also not going to happen with anybody on this roster. Um then then yet another our, uh, a non-Brady Super Bowl win would be pretty great. And then, you know, these, the, the, you know, I, I don't, I don't think John Henry, I mean, I know he's preoccupied with Liverpool and his hockey team, but 
I don't, you know, I don't think he fucking knows anything about baseball. I don't think he weighs in. So it's like, yeah, I, it makes sense to hire the Tampa GM that you just look at what the guy did with nothing. You're like, well, imagine if he has something. So I don't, it just turns out what you needed was those high draft picks and, and the pirates to, to keep feeding the Rays good players, but uh, he sucks. So that's not ownership. I don't think so much. I mean, the part where they're not going to, they're not going to pay Bogarts and they may not pay Devers. That just seems to be where baseball is. Like everybody knows those contracts kill you. So, but you know, as we've spoken about on this podcast, no kid should ever fall in love with the best player on his team. It's, it's just so sad that, Oh my God, you're a Nats fan. Bryce Harper and Juan Soto are going to be Mantle and Maris for 15 years. It's going to be, no, they're just both going to be gone. Like, it's just like, there's nothing. So it's so it, 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 baseball is in a, in a weird uh, dying funk uh, that I don't think the pitch clock is going to solve. And uh, and that's why our our Lord and Savior football arrives every September. I know, and I think baseball, the everydayness of it, makes the hook sink deeper. If you're a viewer or listening on the radio or otherwise, like you, you are even closer to your favorite players because they're on your TV every single day. So that you know, stay on with one franchise for the entirety of your career going out the window injures baseball more probably than it does pro football. Um, let's well, talk some, pro you, you know, you it's like, obviously we're, we're had a couple of interesting things. First of all, my buddy Goldie, who I love and you know, he he's from Lexington mass and he's been a, a diehard mass hole sports fan. And then we were texting about the, uh, the NBA finals and he, he just informed me he's a Warriors fan now. He switched to the Warriors a while back. I was like, Whoa, what? He's like, yeah, that's my team. I just enjoy it. I think it's a better, better brand of basketball. I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. And then Heather asked me, this was a good one because, you know, I've, I've given up on Newcastle United because of the Saudi thing. If we get to our five minutes on the fucking piece of shit golfers uh, today, I don't know if we will, but like, so the, so Mohammed bone saw man buys Newcastle United. I'm like, all right, this is pretty easy for me to just go. I switched to West Ham last year. That was a mistake. But now Leeds United has an American coach and two starting American midfielders. So exciting. They destroyed Chelsea last weekend. So I'm like, that's my team, Leeds United. Actually, I actually was in Leeds this summer. Um, Don't necessarily recommend it as a vacation destination, but salt of the earth, working class people. And so that was easy to abandon Newcastle. My wife said, what if the Saudis bought the Red Sox? Hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. (laughs) That's a fascinating moral decision that you have. By the way, back to the question Uncle Mike posed to me, answering it specifically in autumn 2022, the Pirates stink. That's old news. I would like them to be sold. But for me, it goes this year, Kenny Pickett, the first rookie to ever even reach a Super Bowl, and then he ends by hoisting a Lombardi. That's number one. One A even, it's not even two, is the big three, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang winning one more cup this year. And by the way, Pitt, football or basketball, winning a national title. All of those things right ahead of seeing the Pirates get sold. They've done it to themselves. They've lost my faith. Hey, 
you you didn't respond to my text, but uh, so maybe it's a shitty analogy. But I remember when Jamarcus Russell was going to be number one in the draft. Uh, and one of the things that was just really eye popping about Jamarcus Russell, this physical specimen, was that he could throw a ball 60 yards from his knees. And I, and I remember thinking, like, that's never going to come up. That's not a skill. Why is he doing that? Hey, Jamarcus, don't no more of that drill. Stop doing that drill. We we need you to throw standing up to open receivers. But when I saw O'Neal Cruz hit a ball 122 plus miles an hour, I was like, that's amazing. The guy's got a 248 on base percentage. He's killing your team. He cannot get on base in the major leagues. And as soon as I heard six foot seven shortstop, I was like, oh, that's going to be a bad on base percentage. I didn't know it would be this bad. But so I was like, yes, in the in the rare uh, uh, event where Haley's Comet comes through and you hit a ball hard, you're going to crush it. But uh, you do not do that often enough to to make up for the fact that you're an automatic out. Um, your thoughts? Well, I, I think that's fascinating. And by the way, we talked about it, Sal, Marty, and I on Extra Points, kind of some bogus numbers that are either obvious or completely irrelevant. Like the worst one is when you're watching a Stanley Cup playoff game and it's late in the first period, early second, and the team scores the first goal of the game. And they're like, you know, the team that scores first on a playoff game goes on to win 78%. Well, yeah, no shit. That's only a 60-minute game, and the team that's in the head, you would think that statistically they would win more often than that. And there will be a few goals scored, so you have one of them. That may be. And then all those next-gen stats, like, hey, that running back, when he pulled away from the last tackler, his high-end speed was 19.8 miles per hour. Like, who gives a shit? Like, when does that come up? What what relevance does that have? But what – who is – You've, you you touch on something interesting because we don't know if O'Neill Cruz will be a star. He's supposed to, um, you know, you would you would hope at least that he's going to get a little bit better and the on-base percentage and otherwise will go up. But who is the greatest physical specimen? Did the most absurd things you've ever seen but stunk overall? Off the top of my head, Dave Kingman hit moonshots but batted around 200 over his career. You mentioned Jamarcus Russell. Jeff George has oh some of the God. greatest throws I, you'll ever see, you but he was Jeff not George good. Because I don't know what kind of an insane deep dive I was in. Um, Jeff George was like on a list, a trivia question list. And I was like, uh, I was remembering his arm, you know, and this is the, this is the, the, the thing guys fall in love with scouts go, Oh my God, look at this arm. But if you, Watch Jeff George's top 10 touchdown passes. You're like, well, obviously, guy, this was the greatest of all time. Like, you just cannot believe the throws that come out of the, the, the arm, where they land, missiles. Cross, like, it, it, it is such – and, you know, Randy Moss is on the end of, of a few of them. And it, it just was the greatest highlight reel. That is a perfect example of a guy who's like, I don't know if it was like, I don't like football game film bores me. I don't like to prepare, but like that is an all time when you watch, you know, they always talk about Mahomes when they're and Marino, when it's like the ball comes out differently, it just comes out differently. It's like Jeff George is right on that Mount Rushmore with that arm. Literally and, true. 
of in the Super Bowl era at least. Look at his highlights. Look at look at his arm. He definitely has a, in the top six or seven arms you will ever see. And maybe that's even too modest a statement. Who are the basketball? Who are the basketball? Well, uh, Darius Miles of the Clippers, maybe 12, 15 years ago, sure. used to throw it down, but good. Um, it's funny that, you know, that the how Celtics great was Manute Bowl ultimately. But the Celtics was, drafted a guy in the first round a few years ago named Romeo Langford, who you know, just incredible physical specimen. But like the NBA is, if they don't have to cover you, then you're killing your team. Like you just have to be able to shoot a respectable percentage on that open three pointer, or you're or you're killing your team. Also, can't dribble. But uh, yeah, that that's got to be. When when you're the coach who's going to get fired, when you get that guy in camp and you go, oh, that highlight reel is misleading. This is not a good football player or basketball player. And I'm I trying to think hockey's got some guys that score highlight reel goals, but never really put it together in full. Well, That's a fun list. Let's back, work that This that. goes way back for the old Manning cast, but um, – Bobby Carpenter made the cover of Sports Illustrated as as a high school student. I want to say it's St. Mark's outside Boston. And, you know, he did score 53 one year. So it was like and then he he just reinvented himself as a checker and a faceoff winner. Mm -hmm. Like he sort of had the opposite of Jeff George's career, which he's like, geez, man, I'm not going to hang on with these guys unless I adapt to this way of playing. (laughs) <laughs> four check back check win face offs. But uh, yeah, that is, I think yeah. it's a fun one. We'll revisit it. But off the top of my head, there was that air of Pete in and Rob Deere who would hit about one twelve, but they would hit 35 moonshots a season. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the swinging from the heels, which I think is probably O'Neill Cruz's problem. You, you know, that's that swing for the downs, uh, every time and, and hope you you make sports center is not going to work over the 162 game season. I But what I would be worried about if I were you is like, you know, the sample size grows every day. And have we ever seen a guy who starts his major league baseball career with a 240 on base percentage, get that thing up above 290? Like, I'm not sure. Cause uh, you know, I, I go off of my shorter. gut and I, I, I don't abide by, actually researching these things, but the rhetoric our entire lives has gone. Like you can destroy a young talent by putting him in there too early. It's the, it's the, some of the discussion going on around Kenny Pickett right now. If you put him in there against a bad, Justin Fields, put him in there against a terrible offensive line. They're going to lose their confidence. They'll get destroyed. David Carr can make a case that that actually can happen. I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical of that one. Is really is is he gonna is O'Neill Cruz gonna be shattered irredeemably because he was, bats one ninety nine? Would he have led the league in on base percentage if they just waited a year? Of course not. Right. And and the, you know with with the quarterbacks and obviously you know we we've moved way away from the apprenticeship on the bench. You know this thing of like sit and learn, rookie. It's like you got to help the team right away. And so you know Mac Jones, you're starting. I, I think. The ceiling is the ceiling, and I mean, no offense to to your friend David Carr, uh, and obviously it doesn't help to get blasted eighty times a season. But I do think reps are good. Reps are good. Like you're you're seeing more, and you're getting experience, 
and eventually you will be revealed as to who, who you actually are. Well, and then more practically, if your offensive line gets you hurt, then that's probably not good either. No. A lot of people are citing like, hey, it didn't hurt Joe Burrow. Look what he did behind that offensive line. I think you're skipping to last year and forgetting what happened in his rookie season, which was he got hurt about six games in. So, um but all right, we have a much good fun. example. Burrow probably, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys because this Herbert Mahomes, this just has changed, right? <laughs> like these guys are great as soon as they as soon as they they take the the wraps off them. Um, you know, Burrow got hurt, but like again, a guy, I mean, who even when he was being sacked nine times, did not affect his accuracy at all. Like the opposite of gunshot. Oh, you're as gonna, far, you know. Since we're in the, in this uh, conversation, I guess I'll, I'll just say my thoughts on Kenny Pickett because if you have ever spent four minutes or more on the banks of the Three Rivers, you are required to have an opinion, Trubisky or Pickett, going into week one here. I think they're both going to play. I don't think it's the end of the world. Talk about the rhetoric that you hear. Well, you got to let a QB. You can't deprive him of getting into a rhythm. And if he's looking over his shoulder, he's not going to be at his best. There are any number of examples, more in college than in the NFL. But you can go back and forth with QBs, especially early on. I think the trick is, you know, emotionally and, and mentally, if I were a rookie QB, and if you're Mike Tomlin, I think you start Trubisky. And if the offense isn't moving and it needs a spark, then you throw the rookie in so he can feel like he's playing hero. And if he doesn't spark the offense, like, well, the other guy wasn't doing it either. But if you have to yank the rookie to put the vet in, that's going to be a hard short-term bounce back for the rookie. So I think you start Trubisky, and as early as, like, halftime, if the Steelers have put up zero against the Bungles, hey, let's try the kid for the second half. And if he doesn't do it, then you start Trubisky in the next game too. Well, it's funny, you know – you transitioned organically and beautifully mm. from from O'Neill Cruz to Kenny Pickett. And as you said it, I thought that is a good question for O'Neill Cruz. Can he pick it? Because if he can't pick it, <laughs> he can't hit for shit. And this guy needs to be out of the major leagues. This guy's got to be the best defensive shortstop since Luis Aparicio because he can't get on base. And by the way, how does six seven work? You mentioned Dave Kingman, like you're you're a six six seven shortstop. How's that guy ever going to have a good on base percentage? I don't know. It just doesn't. That just doesn't seem to. Ah, listen. It. Enough baseball until the off season when the Red Sox and Buckos will battle it out for the services of Aaron Judge. It'll be a great conversation oh, yeah. for the for the three of us, you, me, and Spaghetti to have. Spaghetti, real quick. I think I know your answer already here. But you would take a rag Stanley Cup before you would um, James Dolan being forced to sell the Knickerbockers, right? Without a doubt. It's not even a, a question. I, the, the Rangers Stanley Cup would be the tops for me. Um, Dolan. It, well, no, like, no, 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 no. Just to clarify Spaghetti's list. Tops would be Eddie Vedder doing an acoustic cover of a Joe Strummer <laughs> song. Then Rangers win the Stanley Cup. Right, right. We're we're just we're just trying to keep it sports specific. Okay. Spaghetti, you're not going to get him right now. He's he's right now. He's feeling good because he loves the new Game of Thrones prequel thing. You watching it, Hench? Not yet. Okay. All right. We'll skip to that. Let's go right to pro football. Then twenty minutes into this uh, into this show. Yeah, I don't think uh, we can go right Tyron to anything. Sp- 
When do we go right to anything? No, no. You're, you're that you are right. Okay. Well, um, you right, mentioned, uh, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks getting injured and bouncing back from injury. And it's funny. This is not, we'll start with the AFC South because we're not, I don't think either of us is going to disagree or make any news here, but the Colts are the cream of that division and they're, they're minus 190 to win the division. Um, no, wait, they're minus 175 where I have them to win the division, minus 190 over nine and a half. So those are both a little expensive, but plus 1,100 to win the AFC. I've got the exact number written or typed out right in front of me. That is my favorite bet. It's not to say they're definitely, it's worth sprinkling something on. The Chargers have a shot. Obviously, the Bills are going to have a shot at that. But the Colts, at that value, you got to put something on it. And, we, you know, it's funny when you watch quarterbacks who play a certain way and then suffer an injury and kind of have to reinvent themselves as opposed to quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, who it's just kind of a long, slow, incremental decline into oblivion. But it's like, I think what that team will ask of him, he's completely up to providing that. Uh, I I don't know if Pittman's still underrated, but he's excellent. And uh, Taylor's obviously the best. And then, uh, you know, you got you got Shaq Leonard and uh, Stephon Gilmore on that excellent defense. And that team, I know they just lost their punter, but like that team. Well, they may have lost Quiddy Pay. I haven't seen an update since he hurt his knee on Wednesday. But if he is OK for the long term of the season with Ngakwe, I mean, they're, they're, this team doesn't have a ton of flaws. I get this, the skepticism about a 40-year-old QB, but to your point, I I say it all the time, some QBs are required to make a Jordan-slash-Kobe mid-career adjustment because they can't, they're not as explosive anymore. Matt Ryan was never explosive in terms of a quarterback. That's why Drew Brees and Tom Brady were able to do it into their 40s, whereas more dynamic talents died off in their mid-30s or late-30s. I'm looking at you, Ben Roethlisberger. Um... Michael Pittman over 83 and a half receptions. Obviously, this is health dependent, but over the course of Ryan's career, he has a knack, and it's not just Julio Jones, of finding his number one option consistently. So I I feel pretty good about that one. And given the, and talking about the win total, all win total over 10 and a half. Now it's got some juice to it, plus 115. I love that. And I haven't found the ability to bet this, but the Colts might win their division by more games than any other team will win its. Yeah, I think the Titans regress a, mm-hmm. a little bit this year. And then, it, it, you know, I think the Jags, you know, we we agree on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, is, is everyone going to be wrong about him? I don't think so. So I think they'll make a leap, but I could see second place in that division being eight and nine you know, seven and 10 pretty easily, obviously. That's the- exactly what I have. It. I have the Titans at seven and 10, and I really did my best because I do like the Jags. Their pass rush should be great. Trevor Lawrence will turn a corner. They have interesting pieces offensively around him. Um, but if you go through the schedule, I thought I'm going to land with Jags bumping up to like eight wins maybe this year, but I just couldn't find them on the schedule. I have them at six and 11 finishing third 
behind the Titans. Big regression for the Titans. Um, I don't want to be a, a one of these weird hardos, but I don't think it's great if you're starting quarterback several months after losing the playoff game that Ryan Tannehill lost to the Bungles, saying like, rip. Got into some dark places, a lot of sleepless nights. I had to, I had to get treatment for it and all of that. It's like good for you on the human level, obviously, but you can't take a loss that tough, man. You got like all you ever hear about the greats is like, yep, dust that off, short memory, right back to it. That's not what I'm hearing from Tannehill. And then if Malik Willis gets in there, I mean, how can I possibly gauge where this team is going? So yeah, I we 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 see. Eyeball to eyeball on the AFC South. Now, speaking of weird, dark places that quarterbacks went to, we don't even know where Tom Brady went, right? We don't know physically where he was, um, but let's jump over to the NFC. Your hero. To the NFC South. Well, maybe we'll make some news over here. Um, the, the thing that I think has always set Brady apart is that, Nerd love of the game, study, 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 study. This is the most important thing in my life, much more important than this family. I mean, even like, you know, Peyton Manning would be banging out 10 commercials every offseason. You're like, when's Brady going to do his Rolex commercial? Like, and so now it seems like Brady building the empire, being a little more uh, available for various projects. And then, of course, just the vanishing act. And I'm like, oh, if if this is priority 1A for that guy, I I'm not, you know, over 11 and a half seems high. So I have the this is my my double whammy. I'm going. I love the Saints over eight and a half, uh, the Bucks under 11 and a half. Hmm. And then if you if you really want to live a little um, Saints to win that division it's plus 235. Um, so I like the Saints. And I'll tell you. Uh, I like them a lot too. But it also, you're hinging a lot on Jameis, which is fine. But my concern, Dennis Allen replacing well, Sean Payton is not a small matter. Okay. Well, I to that point, um, th- this could be a little addition by subtraction in terms of Generally, when the when the guys come from the defensive side of the ball, they tend to simplify it a little bit over here on offense. Like, here's how we're going to win games. We've got an excellent defense. We've got a great running back. Um, you know, we've got some possession receivers. Let's not ask that much of the QB, who, by the way, had 14 TDs and only three picks last year. So, you know, if he solves that, if, you know, that then you're just looking at personnel that's pretty exceptional and they they the honey badgers back there now um i think there were times and you must have felt the same way too where you're watching the saints come marching in up and down the field and then it's like Taysom hill would come in it would like get super exotic inside the 20 and then the next thing you know will lutz is kicking a field goal you're like Okay, I think the mad scientist overcoached a little bit there because Kamara's just ripping off 15 yards a pop. And now you're going to you're going to get, you know, Taysom Hill in there to run a sweep. And so I actually think that Dennis Allen, here's here's going to be the identity identity of the team in that division. 
I like him over eight and a half. I, I like him to win that division. I am with you, except for the win the division part. And, you know, this is not some deep reason why. I just have a hard time at the end of it, like, I'm, I'm really going to bet against Tom Brady. I hear everything you say. And by the way, the offensive line, the interior of the offensive line is non-existent right now. He's a 45-year-old man. The book's been out on Brady for 15 years. He's, in fact, human enough to not like pressure in his face when he's trying to throw the ball in the same direction that those defenders are coming from. So that all adds up to, to bad stuff. Also, no Bruce Arians. And we've already had the conversation, but yes, Tom Brady is not, um, maybe Roethlisberger is the best example in the 21st century. Who's sort of like backyard ball. I'll find you San Antonio or whoever, I, whatever. I'll, I'll find you just, you know, work your way back to the boss. Why Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger were so good. Antonio Brown would abandon his routes and run in the direction where he knew he was a, he was a savant, at catching passes, he knew exactly the open space to go and find, and he knew his quarterback was good enough to have his eyes downfield and and make a random play like that. Tom Brady is all about, like, three steps, and then when you turn, I'll put the ball, and it'll be right there. Like, he doesn't have that with Julio Jones or anyone else on that team at this point. I, I'm I'm nervous about it, but I still can't do it. But if, if I were to ride with you and you want to live, the, the worst, you can do the um, exact finishing order for all the divisions. If you do Bucks, Saints, Panthers, um, and then Falcons, it's pretty straightforward. I think most people would have it that way. No juice, really, plus 180 ain't worth it. But if you do it Hench's way, and I assume you have the Panthers third, yeah, then you get juiced up to plus 600, and that's intriguing. Do that one because if you're going to bet the Saints to win the division, you may as well go the extra mile because the the Panthers aren't going to finish ahead of, against uh, ahead of the Bucks, right? No, um, more value. One other, well, I love that plus six hundred. I should write these down. I, I should like the, the listeners. I, I should be a listener when you're talking because you know your shit. Um, I will say this about the Bucks that I think kind of got lost. Um, you know, Stafford makes the incredible throw after the incredible comeback, but the Rams lost four fumbles in that game. I mean, that, that game was kind of a blowout, you know, it's just the Rams kept dropping the ball, like fumbling on the goal line, fumbling when they're running out the clock, fumbling on reverses. Like you don't lose four fumbles and win a game. I felt like they really exposed uh, the, the, the seams in that, in that Bucks approach. And, and I think Brady is a year older and 20% less interested and apparently, you know, wanted to be somewhere else. So uh, I, I think that Saints is is good value. And, uh, and it's and, it's and, sort of like the, the Chester Holmgren injury now. So Chet Holmgren hurts his foot and is out for what would have been his rookie season already. And so many people are already saying, told you so, told you I'm a seven foot like he's going to do that. I feel like. I don't know, three weeks or three months from now or four months from now, we'll all be like, told you Tom Brady wasn't going to play forever. He's 45, for goodness sakes. Like, <laughs> that's a, that's a definite possibility. Kellerman will declare victory, even though he said it nine years ago. <laughs> I told you guys that Brady would get old eventually. Hey, now, look, I'm, I'm obviously one of the people on this podcast who who has been wrong over and over and over again 
when I've looked at certain bodies and gone, that body cannot play in the NBA. I take no joy in being momentarily right about the Holmgren thing, but are any of us surprised? Like that? Well, it's, it's I, like I told Marty Weiss uh, earlier today, if it weren't for Kevin Durant, Chet Holmgren wouldn't have gotten drafted where he did. KD in the 21st century offsets Sam Bowie and Sean Bradley and anyone else who was too tall, and, and, you know, they, they weighed 108 pounds and were 7'3". Like, those guys break in the NBA in, in this millennium. But then, well, KD did it, and this guy kind of is like that. No, I, I was, you know, <laughs> I was all in on Greg Oden. I was like, this is a <laughs> this is a once in a generation defensive talent at center. You'd have to be out of your mind to take that skinny kid from Texas. Oh um, what about Baker Mayfield's Carolina Panthers? I don't think we need to spend any time on the Falcons, but where do you come down on win total for that team? Right where I think he feels like a big upgrade. But I still say six and eleven. You know, where, that's where Vegas has them, six and a half maybe. But um, it, uh, I, I just don't. I don't think he's. I, I, I think he. I don't think he's as good as you think he is. I don't think he's a big upgrade. I think he's. I think a, he's middle class. He's a modest upgrade, but uh, so you know, we'll again. We're always telling people bet hammer those unders on those running backs. And then when these guys like McCaffrey and even this year, Derrick Henry, when it's like when you've had your you've missed some substantial time and McCaffrey's missed a ton of time. It's like, is there actuarial evidence of running backs having significant injuries in at a position where you're already aging into obsolescence? Now you add in injuries is, you know, is that guy, you know, is it going to be Chubba Hubbard? in week five. You know, I just can't, it's, it's hard to imagine ever, ever seeing, you know, the McCaffrey we fell in love with once, once I, you start. I hear hit. that, but I still like their pass catching options. Their offensive line is a problem for Baker specifically, who has proven that if it's a mediocre O line, he will be less than mediocre, but if they can, he is an upgrade for Sam Darn from Darnold period, the defense Stephon Gilmore leaves and he's the splashiest name, but the defense actually, that's what they did. In Rule's first draft, they loaded up on on defense. So that could be a a unit of strength for them. And if they upgrade on offense, I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I do have them at, at uh seven wins. Um, you know, when we're doing the exact finishing order of divisions, I want to go back to the AFC North, even though we've already talked about that. And then I'll give you the Steelers final record. Well, I guess we have to do that two weeks from this day before the season starts. I have to wait till the last possible hour. I have to get all the evidence. Okay, but in the meantime, I will tell you two AFC North bets that I like. Lamar Jackson, under 900.5 rush yards. 900 and a half rushing yards for Lamar Jackson. Definitely under that. And the other one is exact finishing orders order. Ravens, Bungles, Steelers, Jacoby Brissett, and Josh Rosen's brands bringing up the rear. Plus 1,200. Wait, say it again. Ravens, Bungles, okay. Steelers, Brannies, plus 1,200 if it finishes in that order. Like that or no? Uh, 
I do like that. I guess, I mean, I, I have one, two, one, two, and I have three, four, three, four. So the question then becomes, you know, uh, uh, how, how much will the Browns suffer at quarterback? Uh, and, and then bungles, I, I, I don't, you know, I guess I'd go Bengals, Ravens, Stillers, Browns. The Ravens, yeah, I, I could definitely talk myself into the Bengals just purely just eyeballing the roster. But evidence over the last two decades indicates that they're going to fall back. They're the Super Bowl runner-up. There's some weird voodoo or some practical things that get in the way. Maybe it's a first-place schedule, expectation. Joe Burrow had his appendix. What do you have? His gallbladder, appendix, whatever the hell it was. That's not great. Um, so he has to get back to form. The Ravens feel like they have a chip on their shoulder. Their QB certainly does because it's looking more and more like he's going to play without a contract, which is loco. And people keep saying, well, Dak Prescott got his money, so why wouldn't Lamar, even though Dak had a terrible ankle injury? Because Lamar is more of a runner than Dak is. That's why. You'd be spooked if he has a devastating ankle injury, let's say. Um, you'll be more spooked by that, by that than you even were as the Cowboys giving Dak all that loot. Um but I think the Browns are, are going to stink. And again, loaded roster and all that and us against the world. Everybody's mad at us for Deshaun Watson. They're not robots. They're going to hear it all the time. They're going to be asked about it constantly. It almost on some level intellectually or emotionally would be better if it was just like Deshaun's out for the year. We'll revisit it in 2023. So by week six or seven, in the locker room is going to be like, how are you guys getting ready for Deshaun? What are you doing to position playing with Jacoby, but also looking to what it's going to mean to have Watson under center, all that kind of stuff. That'll just be a distraction. They're a last place team this year. And then if Jacoby is decent, then the question will be like, does he definitely lose the job? Like, you know, it's weird. Yeah, right. It's a weird thing to be playing. Like, you're like, okay, you, you know, you're going to the bench, no matter what you do, you know, we we've, we've eaten all this bad PR, that guy's going to play. Um, but the roster is good. And uh, that is, that is the, that is the most interesting division. And I would say this about the Ravens. They were so snake bit last year. Like that, that was starting right about this time guys started dropping like flies. And so you, you got to assume they'll be healthier. Well, I'm picking the Ravens, but the, that specific point that people keep referring to, I get the injury thing, but in terms of game results, people have said, Oh, they got screwed in that game. They should have won that game. There are three off the top of my head that make them, you know, a punchline last year. They should have lost the Chiefs game in week two. They, they, they fumbled the ball away, did the Chiefs, or else that, the Ravens would have been 0-2 there. The Colts blowing that game was ridiculous on a block field goal by Calais Campbell, and then a sequence of bizarre events lead to a Ravens victory. And then they lost at the Lions, but the clock guy screwed up, and so Justin Tucker made an 87-yard field goal or whatever it was. And so, that, I mean, they would hey. – the idea that, like, they were right there. That could take those ones away, too. Yeah, I, I, I did win that. 
I won that under win total bet last year, which I made because of all the injuries in the preseason. Then they started winning all these nonsense games. I mean, they're down, they were down 16 in the fourth to the Colts. They needed two TDs and two two-point conversions and they to force overtime. Right. Repeat that. Oh, so Lamar's the only guy who could do that. True, but he can't do it over and over again against that Colts team. And that, in fact, that was the game as much as the Jags lost, put the Colts out of the playoffs. Um, but I do think to Burrow, more... to, my, to my list, I do oh, think ahead. Burrow and Jamar Chase, that just, they, that separates them. What that, you know, what those guys can do. Like there's no, you know, the Ravens don't have, anything like that. The other thing is too, with the upgraded offensive line, Joe Mixon is kind of like um, Jonathan Taylor has a lot of the same skill set presents physically is imposing and all of that. If you put him behind a good offensive line, that's another I, on paper. They're, they're spectacular. I just think that the, that the year after losing in the Super Bowl regression is a thing that's hard to, Look past. Are they gonna the Cincinnati Bengals are gonna be the ones to erase well, listen, that pox? Listen, um, you know, people who've been who who kind of just give up doing any actual analysis by just leaning on historical trends, they go, Well, obviously the out party is gonna win the midterms because that's what happens every midterm. You get crushed in the first midterm. And so it's like that's just serves as analysis. For 18 months, that's all anyone talks about. It's like, well, they're going to get crushed. And then the two times that hasn't happened, 1934 and 2002, there were huge seismic events that rattled people out of their complacency so that that historical trend did not happen. So this year we have um, November coming. Obviously, women having their rights rolled back 50 years uh, is a seismic event and, you know, row, row, row your vote. It's, it's gonna, it, it's, I know even the betting lines don't know how to keep up with how quickly that tide is turning and maybe, uh, you know, good old, uh, honest lefty Joe Burrow is also going to buck this trend. The of year of Joe Bulls. is what you're saying. It's huh? the year of, of Joe. In Joe Mensa. Joe Interesting. I, I do agree with you, by the way, about the ongoing analysis, even though it's been empirically um, proven wrong in the last like month or so with a couple of elections. They're like, yeah, but still. Why, but, but don't the results that you just saw change your opinion on that? As far as the moving lines go, Tyron Smith, how about that for a transition? Things are moving in the NFC East. As the result of Tyron Smith, the borderline or probable Hall of Famer for the Cowboys at left tackle, out for at least the majority of the season. I already had the Eagles winning the division. They're now at they're now at plus one fifty five to win the division. What who do you have there? Well, we talked and agreed about how good that Eagles bet was yeah. when it was even better. Um, and and it's funny how talk about trends, right? Like it does seem like you have a window here, you know, who here's your core. They are healthy. They're young. They're ready. And then you, Oh, we didn't. And we didn't. And we didn't. And now I don't know. You just look at trajectory and it's like before that injury, I was like, I think the, that the Cowboys are going to be pulled in by the pack. 
And now, you know, and the, and the Eagles are, are really deep, as you pointed out, across the board. And so I think they can they can overcome whatever limitations Jalen Hurts presents. And and, you know, but what we hope is that people who are now jumping on that listen to you three weeks ago. Right. When it was 170. Well, as I said to Sal, who's sticking with his team this year to win the division, you're really making a bet on one guy versus an entire roster. The superstar QB, $50 million man, offsetting the flaws in his roster, or the whole deep roster offsetting the deficiencies of the quarterback still on his rookie deal. It's it's an interesting... Um, I don't know thought experiment because it'll be a literal. It'll literally play out over seventeen games here. But hey, I think I it's. I don't know how you come of, down on that is interesting. Speaking of America's team, I don't know how well sourced that quote is. It seemed legit that that Trump, you know, was like whoever buys the Cowboys for fifty million dollars is going to be a big <laughs> loser. <laughs> hey, he wound up with the generals. Herschel Walker, they're back made, together now. It's all, it's all coming together. Three dollars. Cowboys are worth eight billion. Um, okay, so I think we've we've figured out at least two divisions. In fact, two divisions plus some uh, some bonus action for you to um, to do. Also, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Hench, as a, as a Hollywood muckety muck power player and all that. I worked. Um, what is it now? It's twenty twenty two. So yeah, about 20 years ago, I worked on the faux reality show on Comedy Central. I was a writer on a show that was supposed to be a reality show about Gary Busey teaching life lessons to our mutual pal, Adam De, Adam De La Pena, with who we both have worked with in the past. He got arrested to the surprise of no one who's ever spent any time around Gary Busey. I'm curious. I could go on and on with stories, and at some point I'll tell all the tales. Who's the craziest celebrity that you've gotten to work with Who's or it doesn't even have to be a celebrity oh, well it could be the craziest I, oh, writer oh, well, i mean i you know, i started to kind of like think like gee who you know who am i willing to talk about who is it but, but then i realized roseanne did two episodes of christella like i did i i was i made two episodes of television with roseanne and uh that was uh that was pretty nuts and she was pretty nuts and then when abc um, said, Hey, we're going to, you know, they, they saw her performance on my show and we're like, she still got it kind of. And I'm like, yeah, but you, you know about the Twitter feed. Right. And they were like, no, we don't know about the Twitter feed. Oh, enjoy, uh, enjoy this, uh, new Roseanne who just tweets all day, every day. Obama's a Jew killer. That's all she tweets all day, every day. <laughs> It is why I'm not talking about anyone in particular, reality star, celebrity, period. If you are a celebrity for too long, with very few exceptions that I can think of, if you are a celebrity for too long, you should not be eligible to be president or hold any position of power because you lose any sense of perspective with most human beings. And Gary Busey and a lot of the biggest celebrities have a childlike quality because they're so managed. Every aspect of their life is so managed. It's almost weird that they have a savant-like ability to learn their lines or or break through in terms of charisma or otherwise because because they're such abject failures at, at at the most basic human functions. Gary Busey. But wait a minute, just just to be fair, uh, in addition to all his other uh liabilities, like 
he had major head trauma, right? He did. He had okay. no, he had literally no short-term memory. We would go to his trailer and he needed like, we, every shoot by definition was on location and we would have like three or to five locations per, per half hour. And there would be a trailer because he had to be outfitted with a trailer. And there was a food truck. It was very fancy for a basic cable show. But he would need three or four hours to get spiritually right. What he would do in his trailer, I have no idea. But at some point, he would always summon us. Me and Sam Cedar, the director. He would come to us. He's like, Dave, what's this scene about? And it was it operated sort of like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was an outline. It wasn't properly scripted. There were a couple of lines that I would want him to hit. But for the most part, it was like, you got to hit this beat, got to hit this to, to have it make sense that, we, that it requires us to go to the next location. He'd be like, okay, okay. What's this scene about, Dave? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? What, 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 what in the hell? He, he would be so um, incorrigible that twice on field shoots, full crew, everybody there ready to make the episode, you know, under a time crunch where the showrunner, Gary, would get so out of bounds that, he, that the showrunner would just be like, Call everybody together. Be like, I'm sorry, everybody, to do this to you. I know you depend on on this job and everything, but the show's canceled. Gary can't behave himself. Gary would be standing there. Gary Busey standing there. Be like, Gary can't behave himself, so I'm sorry. The show's canceled. And then you'd be like, I mean, like, what are we? We actually are getting into our cars and going home. And then you would get a call the next day. Okay, staff, Gary has apologized and... Against our better judgment, we're going to give it another shot here. That happened twice. <laughs> how, how many episodes did you do? I don't even remember. Six or eight? Some, maybe ten? Something like that? It was insane. And then the best one that I always tell about Busey was for the first couple months, I, he always had the metal attache, like he was uh, in espionage, but he didn't have the handcuffs. But otherwise, it was the same. Never left his side, this attache. But one night, he did leave it in the trailer, and he left it ajar. And I couldn't help. I had to find out what was on the inside of it. I opened it, and it was neatly packed with Fritos and Doritos travel size bags. Like, per, like 30 or 40 of them. He'd stolen them from craft services, and he, and he had uh, snack items. <laughs> filed away like bills, like $100 bills. He, he's Because he's so method, he started doing that after he played Buddy Holly, because what if Buddy had survived that plane crash? He would need to survive out mm. in the wilderness <laughs> have a suitcase <laughs> full of Fritos. All right, Hedge has to go. Go yeah. do some fancy Hollywood stuff. Great times. By the time we talk next... We'll be a couple hours, minutes, seconds from the backyard brawl in Pitt Stadium or whatever they got, Acrisure, whatever the hell it's called. Can't wait. We'll talk to you then, Hedge. Got to get in a quick break here. All right, there goes Hench, Eddie Spaghetti, but you're still here, and I don't want to make a big deal about it, but you're in your place of business, and, and you've seen fit to wear your flip-flops. This your is sandals, this your slippers to your place of business. You're a grown man. Well, number one, Scott, 
the Grizz wears them quite a bit. I'm a flip flop wearer. Don't They're my right. most uh, worn shoes. Uh, the other issue, the reason why is because I thought we were supposed to start EP around 9:45. I, I moved recently. My shoes are in a certain area. It's hard to get to. And then I had to travel to my other gym, come back, shower. And by the time I was like, I had a set time. I wanted to leave by 9:15 to get here in time. Uh, I didn't feel like wasting an extra two to three minutes finding my shoes, tying them. So I just slipped on these bad boys and uh, and came here. So I feel bad it's warm boys. out. All right. Well, I, I, because I knew Hench had to go, right. I didn't stop down to get your best right. bets from a couple of divisions. Yeah. Roll yeah. through those now. I'm going to, yeah, I'll react to everything you guys said. Um, I, one, I'm going to make a kind of a bull uh, prediction hot take here. I know lately people have been saying the Jimmy G to the Seahawks is a strong rumor. I just don't understand that because the Seahawks are not positioned to, if you add a guy who could win you games hypothetically with that roster, it doesn't help them for what their rebuild is going to be, which is trying to get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, et cetera, one of those quarterbacks. So I still think he's going to end up with the Browns. So, which is why Browns mm. eight and a half wins. I mean, today recording this August 25th, the, the Browns don't play for a few weeks. Now there is still time to get Jimmy G there. I don't think he's going to be released by the 49ers. So I think if Jimmy G is there, He's a much better upgrade over Jacoby Brissett or Josh Rosen. Eight and a half wins, uh, especially if they do get Deshaun Watson back and he plays good football. Like Their roster is pretty good to me, so I, that's kind of my bold take there. Well, um, like I say, emotionally, I just think the the idea that, like, well, what, what does that have anything to do with the rest of the roster? Because we've seen it time and again. Distractions are bad for the locker room. That, that It's happened over and over again with pro football teams, and Watson is a is legit a distraction. The thing that's weird, you must be on to something. The bookmakers must agree with you about Jimmy G landing in Cleveland because the division-winning odds make no sense that the Browns, no. uh, that the Steelers have about twice as long a shot of winning the division per the bo- bookmakers as Jacoby Brissett's uh, brownies do. That doesn't add up to me. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, really down on the Steelers, I guess. But uh, I mean, uh, even it's hard for me if you're if you're going to match the Trubisky Steelers versus the Brissett Browns. I'd probably side with the Browns to win more games just because I think the roster is a little more even. But it's it's tough. But when you add Jimmy G to that, it changes everything, which is why I think. And and for Jimmy G personally, if he has any say in the matter, if he's I don't know if he's talking to John Lynch and and whoever else in the 49ers, but that's clearly his best option. Him going to Seattle would be terrible. Him going to Cleveland where you have Amari Cooper and you have the running backs they have there, that's way, that's way way better for him to showcase himself in those first you know uh, 13 weeks to be like, hey, I could be a, a, at least a stopgap at the very least next year get a new contract. So anyway, that's my... I don't I, know. I, I hear you, but I, he gives you a better chance to win in the short term, but it and they're does a win create now a team. headache. They're, they're for sure a win now team. I know, but it creates a weird headache then by week 9 or 10. What if they're winning games with Jimmy G? You're going to say, hey, Jimmy, sit down. We got we got the franchise coming in here, and you can't really do that to Watson, even though he's a creep. If You you, you couldn't say, like, hey, we're winning games with this guy. Sorry, Deshaun. Let's uh, shelve you for another week or for next season. I, I, I mean, I think he, he would sign that knowing that he'll he'll be replaced eventually. I just he, he, Jimmy G just gives you a higher floor, which is uh, something that you can't say about Rosen and Brissett. But we've done enough AFC. You know, I'll move on to the other divisions we were talking about. Uh, I'll start with the um, the AFC South. And you guys brought up Michael Pittman a bunch. I think Michael Pittman is going to go over his six and a half reception touchdowns. Uh, it's minus one twenty, so obviously they they think it's going to happen. But just from his size alone and him being the red zone target, he's clearly the guy. He's going to take that next step, I think, to be one of the premier receivers in the league. Sticking with the Colts player props. Um, 
Matt Ryan over 3,900 and a half passing yards, minus 110. Again, not the greatest juice, but if you look at like Matt Ryan's career, like it, even like last year, he, he threw for 3968 with those bad Falcons teams. He's going to improve the line in Indianapolis. I mean, obviously Calvin Ridley didn't play for a large portion of the, the season. Everyone was really hyped by Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts didn't really come until later in the year. If he did it with Atlanta, he's going to do it with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this is where my Colts... I think that's right. I think people are weird... Uh, not weirdly, he's 40, but... The, the skepticism is too much around Matty Ice. Yeah, and this is kind of where my the, the my Colts bets gets weird because if I'm saying Pittman over, if I'm saying Matt Ryan over, but I have the Colts, and I think a lot of the books have the Colts at around 10, 10 and a half wins. Um, I have them at exactly 10 wins. It's plus 550. And me, just me going through their uh, their schedule here, it's like, yeah, they have the kind of gimme games where first the Texans and the Jaguars, sure. But they have some really tough games, too. They have the Chiefs. They have the Broncos. They have the Patriots, where they struggle with. They have to go to Vegas to play the Raiders. Even uh, even your Steelers coming to them. They have uh, the Eagles. They have the Cowboys, the Vikes, the Chargers. Those are really, really tough games. And then, yeah, they have my Giants, and you could say uh, and the Commanders, and maybe they'll split with the Titans soon. No, I still think the Titans will put up somewhat of a fight this year, um, but definitely a downgraded roster in Tennessee. So I think when I went through and I said win-loss, win-loss, obviously you give a game they probably shouldn't win, and they'll get a game they shouldn't have lost. Uh, to me, the math works out of 10 exactly, and I think they could win the division at 10 games. I think the Titans will be an 8-9 to nine win team right below them, and then obviously I don't, I don't really buy into the Jaguars or the Texans at all. So I like the Colts to win exactly 10 games plus 550, and then uh, just two other bets. Well, the thing about them, we can talk about that next week at some point but trevor lawrence sometimes these things are a year delayed and um i think that trevor lawrence because he didn't have a great rookie season we have plenty of excuses to make for him starting with herb and his uh and his uh deviant thumb i you know i think trevor lawrence is going to have a really good second year and by mid-season we'll be talking about like see everybody knew he was going to be good this shouldn't be that big a surprise it just doesn't add up for in wins for me I really like I say I went through it and I thought I'm going to land at about eight nine for them and I just couldn't uh, couldn't get there. The, the Jaguars, I mean, I talked about this with the Jen actually last week um, or two weeks ago, but with, with the, the James Robinson coming back from the injury news, they want to put him in. They drafted Travis Etienne, who is his guy at Clemson. So there's already kind of drama there because they're going to play Robinson. Warren Robinson deserves to because he's been the one bright spot in Jacksonville for quite some time. I don't love the receiving core, probably overpaid for Christian Kirk. They have Marvin Jones Jr., Lewis Chanel. I mean, it's, this, it's okay. They, they brought in Evan Ingram from the Giants, which I don't know what you think is going to help. He's just going to drop balls or tip it to the defense. And the offensive line, you know, besides Brendan Scherf, who's a, a wily old vet, has been great. Like Cam Robinson's bounced around. Like their offensive line isn't the best. So I, well, I, I, I am mid six, see. but I just I it, the parts though intrigue me, and I think they're ultimately better than the Titans. Not not in, in record. I, th- I, I I if you say pick the roster, I would take the one with Trevor Lawrence because I think Ryan Tannehill and company. And and by the way, I also think it's hard to predict the Titans because if I'm right about Tannehill, at some point they'll put the kid in there, Malik Willis, and I don't know what that does for him in terms of wins and losses. I could see the Titans having a strange year, but they look like a playoff team one game, then a bad team the, the, the rest. I mean, they brought in Robert Woods to replace A.J. Brown. Uh, I, I still think Derrick Henry's going to you know get banged up and he'll maybe not fall off a cliff, but I, I don't think he's going to be the Derrick Henry of old. Um, but those are all, I believe those are my bets for the AFC South. Moving over to the North, I have just two quick Bucks bets. I love the Bucks this year. 
over 11 and a half wins. Uh, that's at plus 115. I just don't like that division at all. I know you guys are talking about the Saints. Don't like the coaching change. Don't like relying on Jameis Winston not to turn the ball over. Alvin Kamara may not get suspended this year, but it's still very much up he's in the air. The, he, to me, is the X factor. I, I don't know what he's going to be in 2022. I don't I don't like their offensive line is only getting worse and the changing, you know, not having Sean Payton is a huge deal for him. And I don't I think people can kind of key in on Alvin Kamara with, uh, you know, not having Drew Brees under center to respect that. And then in terms of the pass catchers, like Michael Thomas is already dealing with a soft tissue injury. If he's going to be missing time again, it's just it's a weak, it's a thin, you know, receiving core. Uh, I don't I don't love the Saints and I don't think the, the Falcons obviously don't don't factor in the, the, the Panthers. If McCaffrey could somehow stay healthy, knock on wood, like, sure, they're good with him there. But I don't think there'd be more than you know. Six, How seven, funny eight would team. it be? That would be if you think about it. The funniest thing that could happen in the NFL this year would be for the Carolina Panthers to win the division, while the Browns finish last in theirs. That would be that would be the all time funniest. We can root for that at least. I, yeah, I just don't know if I see a path to that. I don't. Uh, I don't. But it would be. It would certainly be grand. I, I'm not. I'm not one of those that are going to sour on the Bucks. Like just to me, Tom Brady missing 11 days, whatever it was, does not matter in the least. People are going crazy. Leonard Fournette's coming in fat. Like he had an awesome year last year. Like I trust Leonard Fournette. I know that Chris Godwin's all banged up, and they brought in Julio Jones, who's obviously going to miss a bunch of games, which kind of leads me to this. My last uh, prop bet: Mike Evans over 1,025 and a half receiving yards. Just go to Mike uh, Mike Evans' stats. He's gone over 1,000 yards every single year of his career, and now he's playing this year without Goblin, probably to start the season, and a banged up, always banged up Julio Jones. Tom Brady's going to throw to him constantly. This no guy, Gronk. Mike Evans, is, no Gronk either. Mike Evans is probably one of the most underrated players in the, all of the NFL. He's still only 29 years old. The guy's on the track to the Hall of Fame. Should be a Hall of Fame if retired tomorrow. Uh, I Ooh, love I've this I've never crowd. thought about that. That I mean, sounds like a hot take, but maybe it's not. Right I mean, Mike over a thousand yards every year of his career. He went over uh, double digit touchdowns four times. Uh, I like Evans to have a huge year. This I love year, Mike so. Evans. And don't yeah. forget his first. Uh, the first thing that he did was he made Johnny football into an A&M, yeah. a first exactly. round draft pick. Got him Mike Evans yeah. is great. It, it, he seems like he gets dinged a little bit, but for what it's worth, he's a funny fella. Too. Played all games last year. I, I think he's gonna have a monster year with that, with the other injuries to the receiving core. And like they're gonna come back eventually. And, and Julio Jones will be a solid third receiver there. I, I just I don't see how. The, the Bucks schedule is pretty easy. I just don't see how they, they lose. I did the math again on this one. I like them to go uh, 12 wins of, or not, if not more. Um, I so do too. I, I know I, it's weird, but I do too. I, uh, but I, you know, it is a 45 year old man after all, but um, interesting thoughts from you, from Kevin Hench. And, uh, and by the way, from Alex Kirshner earlier in the week, a really good college football breakdown from uh, from Alex Kirshner. Go back and listen to that one. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're checking out all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. I mentioned already Extra Points. Against all odds, the fellas are all over. All eight divisions for you. Megan Fun of Sports. Uh, the Megans and Eddie Spaghetti doing grand work there. Some, some uh, Premier League talk for you. Uh, on Covered in Glory, and am I missing anything right now there, uh, Spaghetti? Yeah, and later today, Waiver Wire. Oh, I yeah. was just about to say, I was, that was, uh, right. And, of course, Waiver Wired with Jen Piacente and Eddie Spaghetti. They go live on Thursdays, and you can go back and listen to that all weekend long to get right for fantasy. It's drafting time, so you want to listen to that whenever it fits your schedule. And with that, we'll call it a week here at Extra Points. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on the other side of the last weekend of preseason football. On the other side of it, it'll be time to get right for the real thing. Can't wait. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>